North Carolina breaks their two-game losing streak and knocks off Wake Forest on the road 60-45. to What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. That was the second half score. North Carolina now has a three-game losing streak as they fall on the road at Wake Forest 92-85. to 22-point halftime deficits will do that to you. I think it's time for a State of the Union address. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden. Joining me is our guy, Coach Pack Kilby and said this quite a few times lately, but it's time for another therapy session with your therapists, Coach Pat Kilby and Uncle Isaac, we're going to call me today. <laughs> uh, man, this this episode, as sad as it is, is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, we're going to unpack this loss to Wake Forest, including the Four Corners recap, the shady stat of the game, the Kilby stat of the game, and since we had the State of the Union address last night, I think it is a very appropriate time for us to do that here on the show as well today, so we'll wrap up with that. But first, a tale of two halves. Charles Dickens only thought he was writing the opening lines of A Tale of Two Cities. He was actually penning the summary of this game. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. In fact, I joke about that, but... How true are some of those words from Dickens there uh, for us as we think about not only this game, but this season? And here, here's where we're going to start, Pack, because the first half and the second half of this game are so emblematic of these Tar Heels. The first half, Carolina scored 25 points, tied for the lowest scoring half this entire season with the second half of the Duke game. And then in the second half, they score 60 points, the most points in a single half this season. So in one game, they scored the fewest points of the season and a half and the most points of the season in a half. And that's the conversation. We start by talking about this. What was wrong in the first half? I've got thoughts, but Pac, I want yours. Well, there's a lot of thoughts that could be shared in this time. <laughs> I think, you know, I think the big thing is, Isaac, I mean, I'll just shoot you straight. I think we got a lot of selfishness right now. Um, the chemistry to me is not good. Hmm. Uh, our guard play is not on the same page. Um, I'm a believer that that offense and defense they they share a very special relationship with each other. That's well said. And if if one of them is not up to par, then neither of them are usually, typically, and. Tonight, it really felt like that to me. Um, you know, I thought our defense was very, very poor in the first half. And I thought our offense was also a reflection of that. And that, you know, that's not the only, you know, the only thing, but I just thought, starting I thought, we, point. thought we were sloppy on both ends. I think there's selfish, selfishness, there's chemistry issues. We're not really playing like through Armando like I want us to or like I think we should. Um, four of 18 from the game for the game from the three point line is just. That'll it's do just, 
quite frankly, not going to cut it, you know? So there's a lot of things, you know, that I think, but those are the things that stand out to me. What about you? Yeah. Listen, credit to Tyree Appleby. This dude is dangerous in those high ball screens and, and trying to, to keep tabs on him is rough. Remember in the last game, there was no Pete Nance. And so Seth Trimble was in for a long time, re- kind of wreaking havoc on that a little bit. But I, I thought that was the main um, issue there with with the defense, particularly in the first half. But like you said, you, you just got to shoot better. You know, like, like the shots just are not falling. And then as it fell apart, Wake Forest had, I'm not looking back at my notes, I think it was like a 14-0 run. And that was the game right there in the first half. It went from 10 to 9 to like 24 to 9. And that was it until like the, the late second half, which we'll get to in just a second. But what was most disheartening to me, aside from, from the play itself, was the body language. It, it just felt like the it got to the point where there was no effort. There was no heart. There was no hope. The players were like one time, uh, Mondo, uh, there, there was a play that happened where he was called for, I think, his second foul. And you could read his lips very plainly and clearly um, where he said, you've got to be kidding me, and then dropped a, a nice little cuss word, uh, which, by the way, uh, LeBron James in real time here is about to break uh, the record f- from Kareem here. We're watching it in real time. This is on Tuesday night after the game. Uh, needs two points to break the record. So I'm going to interject as soon as that happens because we're witnessing history as we record this podcast. Pretty cool, Pac. Anyway, um, I think all of like another effort, like at, at, you, you just, even if shots aren't falling, at least keep playing hard. And I didn't think they did that in the first half. And so a lot of the same stuff you said, um, offense and defense feed each other. And if you're not playing that defense, it's got to come together. There it is. LeBron just became the all-time scoring uh, leader in the history of the NBA. Congrats to LeBron James. um, Man, we just witnessed history together, Pat Kilby. That's awesome. Um, The the question I want to ask, though, before we move to the second half and maybe some of the things that were better – what role does the coaching staff have to play in fixing these things that we saw in the first half? It plays a large role, at least in my opinion. Um, I could get going on a number of things, but I'll, I'll just leave it at this. Um, the Field of 68 does a podcast. John Henson went on it and spoke, and he summed it up just about as well as I think it can be summed up, and I'll share what he said. Uh, basically, Coach Davis – he runs an NBA style offense and it turned what, what that does is it turns you into ISOs and one-on-ones and individual matchups. And you try to take advantage of those. The problem is we've turned that into a very selfish offensive approach, in my opinion. And quite frankly, we don't have the players that can just go beat people one-on-one right now. Um, It turns into a lot of bad shots and teams have played, played us straight into that defensively with their approach. Um, And to me, I mean, that's a large part of the reason why we've struggled to get good shots and uh, why we've struggled offensively. But, you know, I'll say this too, um, and you mentioned it earlier, body language has been bad. It was particularly really bad tonight. Um, And we weren't playing really hard. 
And the thing is, here's the deal. I mean, you can take good shots on that long. You can't always control whether or not they go in the hoop. But defense travels. And if you can guard, then you give yourself a chance to win a conference game on the road. And we didn't do that either. So <laughs> that to me was was kind of just indicative of this whole night. I thought we were, you know, played a lot of ISO ball, a lot of one-on-one stuff, not great shots. But we also didn't give ourselves a chance with the way we guarded. Hmm. It's disheartening, Pack. It's disheartening. But then we get to the second half, and things were not perfect. Hear me not saying that. But things were a lot better. The, the Tar Heels competed, I think, is how I would bottom line it, and, and that's great. Um, interestingly, Debbie Antonelli said on the broadcast, what fight in these Tar Heels late? Like, that's a direct quote from what she said as the game was going. And I hear that. But I don't want that noise. I'm I'm grateful and glad for the second half fight, but it's too little too late. You know, like, cool. You, you fought your way back and got the lead down to single digits. Way to go. That ain't it, man. That's not good enough. Um, but that aside, I, I think perhaps what I loved most was um, Caleb coming out of having an 0 for 9 first half really, really stayed after it. He had um you know some some Caleb moments in the second half but I loved his fight I thought Puff Johnson's energy was perhaps the biggest linchpin of the second half what did you see pack that you thought translated better from what went wrong in the first to what went better in the second you know is it possible to be more frustrated with the second half than the first half because of <laughs> just I mean, it's like some of the things that you see is like, why are we not doing this consistently? Yeah, exactly. And it's a it's a junior and senior heavy team. And you just don't expect those things from teams that are veterans like that, the, those things from, from veteran teams. And so to me, it's just it's frustrating. Uh, but I agree with you. You know, I thought Puff had great energy. And I think he brings great energy every time he's on the stinking floor. I wish that we would give him the opportunity to do that more. Um, I think Trimble does great things. I think going back to the Duke game, I think Jalen did some good things, and then he didn't touch the floor in the second half. So yeah. Yeah. those are things I would love to see more of. Uh, but but like you know, like you said, Puff's energy was good. We played with heart. We competed. I thought we dominated the boards in the second half. Yeah, fifty yeah. to thirty-five overall in the game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that was probably a big reason why we scored 60 points in the second half and why we made the comeback that we did was just straight up dominating on the glass. So we were getting second chances and we were limiting them to one chance per possession, you know. So did a good job there. Um, You know, like you mentioned, Caleb's got some shots to fall. And I think he ended up being our high point man. So it was a rough first half, but a solid second half. But that's just kind of been the story. You know, it's been we can't get RJ and Caleb playing well at the same time or we can't we can't get a first half, but we can get a second half. It feels like there's never everything's clicking for a full 40 minutes, which is what we all want to see eventually. So, yeah. And it's like it's funny because there was a legitimate moment where a comeback was possible there. Um, Carolina got the lead down when they first got it down to 10, it was like, all right, here you go. It was just at the three minute mark. And it's like, if you do everything perfect right here, you could legitimately pull this off. It kind of felt like that comeback at Virginia tech that was almost, but not there. But then what happened pack 
Caleb Love got a block on the other end, came down and took a rushed three-point shot when he could, there was a wide open lane. You don't need that shot there. I know you're going for the backbreaker and he got some later. Sure, great. Go get a go get a layup right there when it's wide open. Cut the league to single digits. There's something psychological about that. And so even in those moments, you you talked about could you be more frustrated perhaps because of what happens in the second half? And it's like, why isn't that happening all the time? It's like you have to execute perfectly if you want to pull this off. They didn't. And that's frustrating. <sighs> so that's the big question that we leave this with. Uh, the, this opening salvo is how do we get the second half Tar Heels consistently? And they did that, keep in mind, without Armando Baycott, basically, right? Like, oof, man, yeah. there's so much possibility. We'll unpack more of it, but the frustration continues. Coming up in just a second, the Four Corners recap, the Shady stat of the game, the Kilby stat of the game, all of that coming at you. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. There's only one app you need at your Super Bowl party this year, and it's FanDuel. We're really excited about our brand new sports betting partner at Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel, and if you're new, even better for FanDuel. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't hit. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Plus, this app, it's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Best of all, you get those winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim that no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Pat Kilby, Four Corners Recap. Let's get right into this thing. The, one of the things that I had said in my what to watch for coming into the game, so yesterday's preview, was looking at the turnover numbers. In the first game between these two schools, North Carolina only committed nine turnovers, which is kind of what they've been doing lately. They've been, I think it was like the last four games were like seven, 10, nine, seven. I mean, those are for North Carolina, those are good turnover numbers. While Wake Forest committed 15, most importantly, the Tar Heels had 32 points last matchup off of turnovers from Wake. Boy, then what happens in this game? North Carolina commits 12 turnovers. Wake Forest only pack five turnovers. Consequently, the Tar Heels only get four points off turnovers. So that's 28 fewer points off of turnovers and that turnover differential was played a massive role in this game yeah and not only did it play a massive role just in the fact that we gave Wake Forest extra possessions but the fact that we didn't turn them over means we weren't getting easy buckets in transition and that we got in the first game and it's and, weird because it started off so hot. Like Leaky, the first points of the game were a Leaky just run out. And then he had another one a couple minutes later. And I was like, okay, maybe something's going tonight. But that did not hold that trend. No. And, and I mean, I actually think you got to give credit where it's due. I think Wake Forest played a tremendous game as far as it did. those things are concerned. They really – I think they probably took it to heart what we did to them in the first game, and they responded, and we didn't. So credit to them. That's a great point. I mean, Steve Forbes, I, I know this isn't 
the first of our, this isn't in our four corners, but you notice the starting lineup. Steve Forbes went with his more defensive center against the Tar Heels. Mm -hmm. Why? Carolina's not been shooting good from three, which is going to be our next uh, point in the four corners recap. So that's going to be a great segue. Way to go, us. Um, But um, he went with that because he knew Carolina is going to have to rely on Baycott because they ain't shooting well. So what are we going to do? We're going to pack the paint and make somebody beat us from outside. And there you go. That's part of what's happening there. Um, And so that does bring us to then our, uh, sorry, three-point shooting is going to be the third point in our Four Corners Recap. Point number two is that reliance on Baycott. You said off the top pack that you wished the Tar Heels would rely on him more. And I thought there was a good effort to do that early in this game. But then foul issues derailed it uh mondo picked up one in the first three or four minutes and then another one later in the first half had to go to the bench and had those two quick fouls in the second half at least one of which was a frustration foul which he's done a couple times lately now Mm -hmm. mondo's let himself get taken out of the game in those ways he cannot do that but interestingly to our point that we just made you notice what wake forest didn't do pack They brought no double teams to Armando Baycott. Why? They didn't need to. The the game plan is let Mondo get his because no one else is hurting us right now. They can't. They are not shooting well. We already talked about that. And when I saw that happening, I was like, oh, they're not going to double Mondo. He's going to feast. But nobody else is hitting shots. You know, here's the deal. And this is what scares me the most. We've seen in the last two games two totally different ways of guarding North Carolina and both (laughs) being very effective. Wow. You know, Duke chose to really, really collapse and have bodies all over Armando. As did Pitt. As did Pitt, by the way. As did Pitt. And they said, all right, Leakey. All right, Pete Nance. All right, Puff Johnson. All right, Seth Trimble. Hit some shots. And they didn't. And then tonight – They, you know, Wake said, you know what? We'll let you give it to Baycott and let him do his thing. We don't think he himself can outscore our team. And, I mean, they both of them were very effective. And, it honestly, that scares me. Like, when you can have multiple game plans to say, this is how we can stop this team, that's that scares me. Ooh, I am with you there. I had not processed that pack, and that is a phenomenal point. Uh, wow. Okay. Dang it. Moving on to four corners point. Number three is that three point shooting that we talked about the Tar Heels. As you said, pack were four for 18 in this game. Zero. They made zero in the first half. And really they only had one. None of the others came until that flurry from Caleb at the end of the game, but it's now a three game trend five for 20. I mean, it's a season long trend, honestly, but the, the three game trend right now is even worse. 5 for 27 versus Pitt, 7 for 27 at Duke. You combine all three of those games. The Tar Heels are shooting 16 of 72 from deep in the last three games. That is 22.2%, and that is not going to cut it in the modern age of basketball. Uh, Let's quickly move on because we're just running a little bit short on time here. The fourth thing is the bench in our Four Corners recap. We have harped on this and yelled about it and all this stuff all season long. But how about this, Pac? You look at the box score. You know, even in a game like this, essentially a blowout, who was still missing from Carolina's box score? Dontrez Styles. Yeah. DeMarco Dunn, 
just two minutes and 23 seconds. Now, we thankfully, as as we've been hoping for, got um, a lot of some other guys. Puff Johnson played 26. Seth Trimble played 12. Tyler Nickel played 10. A lot of that is due to uh, Mondo's foul trouble, but you would expect that would mean more time for Jalen Washington. He only played six minutes, and so the we don't need to harp on it anymore just to point it out once again. Let's move right on past that and finish off this segment with our Shady Stat and our Kilby stat of the game. Why don't you go first? Yeah, uh, to me, uh, the the stat that really stood out to me and, and quite honestly bothered me was that Wake Forest shot 42 free throws. Um, that's just ridiculous. Uh, and I, I'll tell you what I think it is. A lot of it is our drop ball screen coverage. Yes. And, oh, my gosh, if I say it one more time, I'm just going to scream at the TV <laughs> and go nuts. Like – for it's, for people, Peck, would you explain that? Because I know not everyone knows what that means. Would you would you just unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Ah, so unpack it. Somebody asked us to start using that, by the way. When when I ask you to explain things, I should say we're gonna call that segment unpacking it with pack. So there you go. <laughs> so great. would you unpack it with pack? What is drop coverage? Yeah, so basically what's happening is um, the guard that's defending the ball handler is going to go ahead and jump high where basically they can't use the ball screen. So basically forcing them and funneling them back to the sideline slash baseline. And what the post defender is doing is basically staying, you know, maybe just above the block or whatever, but they're basically staying there so the ball handler doesn't have a free path to the rim. But what's been happening to North Carolina is these guards are – a lot of the guards we're playing are really well coached and they're just talented players in general. They're snaking that ball screen. So although they're not really able to use it, they're able to get back to the middle of the court. And now we're playing with Armando or Pete or, you know, whoever's defending those ball screens against their guards and our guards are defending their posts. So it just creates mismatches and it's created foul trouble it's and we we don't switch it up. I have no problem with doing drop coverage, but at this level of the game, we have to have multiple ways to defend ball screens with as important as that's become in the game. And we just haven't shown the ability to do that. And I think it's been a, a root of a lot of our foul trouble. Yeah. Man. And obviously Carolina came out at halftime, uh, had made some a decision to start switching screens a little bit, and that cost them. And so it's just it's tough. And then as on the on the flip side, I know that's not what we're talking about, but when other teams, as Wake did tonight, are guarding Carolina with some of that drop coverage and, and RJ is not hitting his mid-range jumper consistently like he usually does, Carolina can't benefit from it. So that is a downturn there. Okay, so Pack Kilby stat of the game, 42 free throw attempts for Wake Forest. Wowzers. Uh, and a lot of that, obviously, is Tyree Appleby, who is my shady stat of the game Tyree Appleby by himself had more assists than the entire North Carolina roster in this game. Appleby had 11. The Tar Heels had nine in route to assisting on 30% of their made field goals. That's not going to cut it <laughs> to put it quite bluntly so that is our four corners recap of this game a little bit of our first unpacking it with pack segment i love that let's make that a thing going forward uh thank you for explaining that and our shady and kilby stats of the game 
All right, we are going to finish off our time together today. As I said, uh, we had the State of the Union address from President Biden last night on Tuesday. And so it feels appropriate, given everything that's been going on, to look at, okay, Peck, we are to the point now where there are seven games left in this regular season. Carolina, by virtue of this loss at Wake Forest, now has more losses than the Tar Heels last year did in the regular season. Last year's Tar Heels had eight regular season losses and five ACC losses. These Tar Heels now have nine regular season losses in total and six ACC losses. So the question becomes, where are we at as a nation? <laughs> where, where is Tar Heel Nation at? Because the conversation to this point, and, and here's where I want to start with it, has been this. Hey, the Tar Heels need to pile up wins so that they can get a better NCAA tournament seating. Because right now they're like in the 8, 9, 10 range. No sir, Rebob anymore. That conversation has now changed to you got to pile up wins to get into the NCAA tournament. Because now Carolina could very well be on the outside looking in as the way things stand. You with me, Pac? Oh, yeah, I'm 100% with you. I mean, if I, I think if the season ended right now, we wouldn't be in. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I don't think we would. Uh, and now we may be, I guess, but I'd be shocked if we were anything higher than a nine seed, you know, so we'd be putting ourselves behind the eight ball at the very best. But uh, we've definitely dug ourselves a hole, and it'll be interesting to me to see if we can dig our way out. And it's funny because that's happened in the course of a week. Remember, that pit game was last Wednesday. So it's only been a week, Pack. Wednesday, lose to Pitt. Saturday, lose to Duke. Tuesday, lose to Wake Forest. Things can change in the blink of an eye. It's been one week and Carolina's lost now three games. And so that's how quick all this can change. And on it, let, let's be honest about this. If not for a boneheaded play by Joe Girard, this would be Carolina's second four-game losing streak of the season. Because remember, if, if he doesn't save that ball or, you know, if Carolina doesn't get it back, the Tar Heels are down by one and the shot clock's off and they got a foul. So thank you, Joe Girard, for not turning this into the second four-game losing streak of the season. Carolina would very much be up a creek without a paddle, more so than they already are. So, Pack, as a coach... In this state of the union moment, how on earth does Hubert Davis and Sean May and Brad Frederick and um, Jeff Lebo, how do they go about keeping the locker room together? That's a big question. That's a really big question. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know that I have a perfect answer for you, but I, I do think it starts with this. Um, I think if they haven't already, they have got to give the players some ownership. And I'm sure that that's kind of what was happening tonight. Um, I think we all kind of have, have heard or know or have seen there was a, a roughly 40-minute meeting following the game where they didn't come out of the locker room. And I'm sure what that was was the players getting a sense of ownership and saying, you know, what what they feel or what's on their heart, what's on their mind. There, to me, seems to be some chemistry issues. And mm -hmm. – um, those things can become cancers within your locker room in a hurry. And so um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm hoping at least, that they started to correct some of those things tonight just by meeting as a team. 
But a lot of things don't get corrected in those moments because that's when everybody's speaking out of emotion. Hmm. Um, when, when they come back to reality and things come back to light, you know, tomorrow or Thursday or whatever, um, I think that's when we'll really need to see the change. Um, because it's easy to say things like that in the moment and to back away from them or back off of them once you settle back down, you know. So to me, I think that that's a starting point. But look, I mean, to me, it's it's kind of hard to say that we haven't already lost the locker room hmm. just based on our body language and how hard we played or how hard we did it. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And so those those things are, are telltale signs. And to me, I just haven't seen it consistently enough to, to say that we for sure still even have the locker room or have a chance to to take it back. Well, one of the things we saw after the game, you know, uh, SID Steve Kirshner is always very kind um, to allow the players to come out of the locker room, even off the dais and have some moments with the media in the hallways. And, and one of the quotes we got from Armando Baycott coming out of this is he said this, going back to that meeting that PAC talked about. I mean, really, I just told everybody, like, I'm not going to quit. If you want to be here, be here on Thursday. If not, just go home, end quote. That's from Armando Baycott. That, I, I, you know, we weren't in the locker room. We don't know the specifics of what was said. But in some way, the guy that has to be the leader of this team is being the leader of this team and taking ownership of that and saying, listen, I'm not giving up. You shouldn't either. And, Pac, what that leads me to, to talk about for just our final moment of conversation before we get out of here today, and I think we got to keep rolling this around, is – is the season over? Do we like somebody, somebody reached out to me on Twitter and uh, said, I believe it was our brother, uh, our buddy, Brandon, uh, that often reaches out in the show. Um, forgive me. I'm not remembering that in real time, um, but basically said like, Hey, I think you need to write a eulogy for this season. Is that, is that where we're at? Like, are, is it done? Is this salvageable? Can North Carolina make the NCAA tournament short of the ACC auto bid? Like right now, I know you said if the season ended today, Carolina's probably out. Do you foresee the possibility that these Tar Heels could make it as an at-large team still? You know, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna find out the answer by next Tuesday because uh, mm. we've got Miami and Clemson. That's right; those and are the next if, two. If those two games don't go well, I, I say no. Um, if they do, I say yes, but. At this point in time, Isaac, I'm, I've really chosen on this podcast specifically to be very positive about this team. <laughs> and I think it's backfired. So, Tar Heel Nation, I'm going to do us all a favor, <laughs> and I'm going to go negative, and I hope that it, it doesn't backfire. Or I hope it does backfire. You hope <laughs> yeah, I hope we start winning games. I'm going to say they don't go well because they haven't given me any reason to believe otherwise. And so I, I say no. I, I say they don't make it as an at-large bid. Yeah, I, that's a great point that, that we, we've we kept pushing it back some, but I, I think it's fair because a lot of teams around the country are in this boat too. Like Duke lost the night before this game, worse than Carolina just lost. Kentucky, a couple hours after Carolina lost, worse loss, like lost worse, sorry, lost worse at home to Arkansas than Carolina just did at Wake Forest. And so it's not just the Tar Heels, man. The Big Blue Nation's right there in this boat with us. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's the deal. If you can go two and zero, keep in mind that Clemson game and that Miami game are both in the Smith Center, folks. You got to have that place rocking on Saturday, and you got to have it rocking again on Monday because Carolina's got seven games left, and if they don't win at least six of them, it's done. It's done outside of winning the ACC tournament. Like we are to that point because Carolina, as we said, has already lost more games than they did all of last regular season. Now go out and win the ACC tournament. <laughs> you got it. You're good. I don't, I don't trust that right now uh, at, at all and in any way. So you got to do everything you can to take care of it down the stretch here. Okay. Pack. Let's do a deep breathing exercise. Everybody out there listening and watching breathe deep with us. One, two, three. <sighs> Namaste, right? <laughs> like we, we need this therapy session all together. Hopefully, we will not need it again after Saturday's game. We will be able to hopefully rejoice together and again on Monday. But, Pac, hopefully that uh, reverse psychology you just used works uh, for the best. Hey, for those of you tuning in with us, we love it. We're so grateful that even after a loss, you're hanging out with us. Uh, hopefully, you're going through the muck and the mire with us, uh, and it, it means a lot to be able to do it together. So thank you for tuning in to listen and hang out with us. But that does it for this episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You can follow the show on Twitter, Locked on Heels. You can follow our guy, Pack at Coach underscore K23, and me at Isaac Shade. Shoot the show an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget, on Friday, as always, we will have our Heels of the Week. Would love your nominations for those. For your next listen, check out Locked on College Basketball, where Andy Patton and myself bring you everything you need to know on and off the court from the world of college basketball. It's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Thank you so much for spending part of your Wednesday. Despite a miserable loss, it just happens and we got to get through it together. There will be a new day. And even still, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.